Hello and welcome to the Learn English Football Podcast with your hosts, Tom and Tim. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm I'm okay. I've had a I've had a reasonable Christmas. Uh, been a bit under the weather, both on the pitch and off the pitch. But happy New Year to you, 2024. How are you? I'm very well. You started with a fantastic idiom, under the weather. To be under the weather, what does that mean? Means to be a bit sick. I'll give you another. I'll give you another idiom, Tom. I've had the dreaded lurgy, um, aka also known as COVID. Uh, the dreaded lurgy is a way of saying the 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 illness that everyone's scared about. Um, so yes, I I had it. I infected my whole family, but we're all fighting fit once again. You can't keep good people down, Tom. Yeah, glad to hear it. So apart from that. Uh... I imagine that uh, you did get to spend time in the, the holidays with your family, which is always a good thing if, if you're not totally isolated from them. No, my family decided it was, uh, I don't know why, they'd rather see me and run the risk of infection than not see me. They must be totally deluded. <laughs> anyway, Tom, how was your Christmas period? Was it festive? It was festive. It was fun. It was relaxed. And I got to watch lots of football. And of course, this is a, a football podcast where we teach English and talk about football. So let's go straight into it. In today's episode, Tim, I want to focus on uh, the Premier League and uh, the action that we've seen over the holiday season in the Premier League. And also we'll talk about uh, the cup competitions, the League Cup, the FA Cup, and we've got some movement in the transfer window because it is January. The January transfer window is open. But first of all, a question for you, team. T Tim, who had a good Christmas? Which well, teams? I think a few teams have had a good Christmas, but um, I, I want to comment really on the form of Liverpool. Um, they're, they're sitting top of the table. Um and they weren't they weren't top of the table before Christmas. Arsenal were top of the table, but they're now three points clear. And although they have picked up a couple of draws in their last five games, um, I think they're hitting form both as a collective unit and with some individual parts of that unit really playing well. And the player I'd like to mention first and foremost is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, he's been criticised previously for uh, lapses in concentration defence and to have a lapse in concentration is to stop concentrating, tempor uh, concentrating temporarily. Um, but this season, he's redefining his role. He's um, playing at right back, but he's moving into midfield very regularly. And he's almost dictating the play for Liverpool when Liverpool have the ball. His range of passing is exquisite, uh, both short and long balls. He's really been on the money. And... To be on the money means to really be to be playing well. And I, I think he's really filling the gap left by some of the players who left last summer uh, from Liverpool. For example, Jordan Henderson, he's, he's, he's filling some of his more long ball, uh, 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 the things he used to contribute with a long ball. Uh, even Firmino, uh, sorry, not Firmino, um, Fabinho, who... Um, who used to sit at the base of midfield and dictate play left and right. And... 
Over the last few seasons, we've thought about uh, Mohamed Salah as Liverpool's go-to man and, and creator and goal scorer. And while Salah is still on top form, I think you have to say that Trent Alexander-Arnold has been... Um, has been a standout player. But uh, having said that, it hasn't just been uh, Alexander-Arnold. I think Konate is starting to look more like the player they spent big money on uh, a couple of seasons ago. I think he had a, a slow start to his career at Liverpool. Um, and also, I think Darwin Nunez, uh, although he can be accused of being a little bit wasteful in front of goal, his chance generation and the fact that he puts himself about so much means that um, I think that compensates for some of his uh, frivolousness in front of goal. And to be frivolous means to be wasteful. Uh, and to put yourself about means to cover a lot of ground. And I'd like to especially comment on his, uh, his uh, I don't know, I would say ever stronger relationship with Mohamed Salah. He seems to be getting a lot of assists for Salah and Salah getting the assists for, for Darwin Nunez. The only challenge I would say up in front of Liverpool right now is they've lost uh, Mohamed Salah to the African Nations Cup and uh, Endo, their Japanese player, who's, who's slotted in quite nicely, uh, they've lost him to the Asia Cup. And one of my Liverpool supporting friends actually says that Endo is a greater loss than Mohamed Salah. I don't know if I believe him, but the fact that he's even considering that shows that there is um, there is something good going on in that Liverpool uh, midfield. Sabalotzai, uh, uh, the impossible name to pronounce from Hungary, uh, is slotted in very nicely. And the fact that you don't really comment on him means that he's playing very well. Tom, have you been impressed with this Liverpool side? Uh, and who else has stood out for you? I've got one more side who've stood out, but I'm going to... Uh, put the ball back in your court. <laughs> Another nice idiom. Put the ball in in someone else's court means wait for them to take action. I agree with you, Tim, that Liverpool are the standout or the outstanding team at the moment. Uh, rather than talk about individual players, I would like to compliment the entire Liverpool bench. Uh I know we said we'd talk about the League Cup later, but I did watch them last night against Fulham without some of the players you mentioned, Salah, Endo, Soboslai. It did not matter, Tim. They were losing 1-0 for 70 minutes. Fulham played excellently. However, the strength of this Liverpool team is phenomenal. The squad is deep and rich in talent. Players you didn't mention who caught my eye, Curtis Jones has been fantastic in midfield for them. They've got a very young right back, a fullback called Bradley, who slotted in and showed that he could do all the defensive duties as well as provide an attacking threat for Liverpool. Uh, Diego Jota was dangerous as ever, cutting in with his pace, with his speed, creating chances for them. Uh, I could keep going about this Liverpool team, but we have to look at their position now. They're in four competitions. This squad has played more games than any other team because they've had an entire European group campaign in the Europa League. They're still in the League Cup in England. They're still in the FA Cup uh, and they're top of the league. But when I look at the the talent, the strength, the richness of the squad. I think Liverpool will be winning at least two trophies this season. Yeah, I mean, they are looking very strong. They are. Uh, Curtis Jones is really a player that I admire. Uh, I think he's been underrated for a long time. Um, and the way Jurgen Klopp has, uh, has kind of built him up as a player and, and mentally. Um, and you feel like he's ready 
for the um for the chances he's being given now especially i uh, you could say the same with Harvey Elliott as well um players with lots of potential who Jurgen Klopp resisted the temptation to throw them in and depend on them week in week out when they were 18 um and he's let them develop um in in a way that i think has benefited both the club and the individual um tom another club that i'd like to mention as, as having had a, a merry christmas i would say aston villa um, it's difficult to deny the fact that uh, they're having a great season. Uh, they're sitting in second place in the Premier League. Uh, they've won three of their last five games, drawing one and losing only one to Manchester United. And even in that game they lost, they were 2-0 up and... Um, and it was one of those typical Manchester United comebacks where really when the man, when the, when the momentum gets behind United, even if they're having a terrible season, they can still find a way to win. Um, but, and I, I think the great thing about this Aston Villa side is how every player is contributing, much like you mentioned Liverpool. Uh, they've got Ollie Watkins up front having the season of his life. Uh, Douglas Louise at the base of midfield recently signed a new contract and looking, looking like a 70, 80, million pound player dictating the play uh, McGinn uh, what a player McGinn is it doesn't matter who the manager is doesn't matter what style of play the manager plays um, he's always contributing and concert at the back um, a lot of people are, are, are wondering how Gareth Southgate hasn't called him up for the England squad and not to mention Emmy Martinez who is the pantomime villain of any football match a pantomime villain is the player that everyone loves to hate his antics may frustrate uh, the opposition's fans and the opposition players but I think um if you're if he's is one of those players that if he's on your side then you love those antics antics is kind of like uh, uh naughty behavior unexpected behavior and things like that uh, i don't think aston villa have got the squad depth or the quality to go the distance in the premier league i think uh, they'll be having a good season if they finish in the top 4 um however i you've got to say that unai emery he's had his critics in england before i myself have been one of them so i take my hat off to unai emery um but I must say, uh, regarding the critics Emery has had, I think Aston Villa are the right size club for him. We've seen it before in Spain. He's uh, he's flourished, which means to do well with clubs like Seville and Valencia. Uh, but then when he went to Paris Saint-Germain, he did look a bit out of his depth. It looked like the club was a little bit too big for him. Um, what do you think, Tom? Have you enjoyed Aston Villa or have you got any other clubs you'd like to mention? Uh, a couple of comments on Villa. Uh, they they outplayed Manchester City in a game just before Christmas. I think they won the game 1-0 with a goal from Leon Bailey, but they totally dominated in the first half and the second half. We have to consider it was a weakened Manchester City side with no Rodri, no De Bruyne. Uh, their superstars were absent. But... Tom, shall I get out the Manchester City violin? <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, I don't really yeah. have a lot of sympathy for the club that spent more money in the uh, the most money in the world and has a huge squad. But go on, sorry to interrupt. They also yeah. beat Arsenal against the run of play. But I also agree with your analysis about some of the players. Uh, Dibu Martinez, uh, the goalkeeper, is is arguably the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, if not the world, at the moment. Consa, who was signed as a centre back but is playing excellently as a right back keeping Matty Cash out of the the side uh and just the style of play has been 
very enjoyable to watch with Villa. They've been running through teams uh, with, with a, a typical Emery style. Uh, I agree, they can't win the league, but I would say they are hands-down favourites. Put your money on them to win the Europa Conference League right now. Uh, but moving wow, that's on, a big him. shout, Tom, and, and you're a man who knows all about Europa Conference League success. That's right. That's right. Moving on, though, Tim, because Villa, did, you know, they, did, they didn't have a perfect Christmas. There was a team that had a better Christmas than them. This team won four out of their five games at Christmas. I'm good. I want to talk a bit about Bournemouth. Yeah, actually. I was going to mention them as well. Yeah. Bournemouth went into an incredible run of form through December. They beat Palace away. They beat Manchester City, Manchester United 3-0 at Old Trafford. They beat Nottingham Forest away at the city ground two days before Christmas. And then they beat Fulham, the informed team Fulham, or the Fulham were informed coming into December. Uh, they beat them 3-0. They only lost to Tottenham in a very wet game on New Year's Eve, 3-1. But actually, uh, they were looking quite good. Uh, they were looking equal to Tottenham in that game. So I just want to compliment their Basque manager. Is he, Ari how do you say his name? Arioli? Ari Ariola, I believe. Yes. Uh, he is having uh, he, he's done a fantastic job with Bournemouth. Many people thought that they would be going down because uh, uh, they struggled to stay up a little bit last season. But he has turned them into a very, very strong, powerful team. And he's brought the best out of so many players. When you look at that Bournemouth squad now, actually, the players might not be very well known, but they are all very, very capable. So compliments yeah. to Bournemouth. Uh, one of the players I was going to highlight later uh, was uh, Dominic Solanke uh, for Bournemouth. Uh, 12 goals in 16 matches this season. And he's a typical player. He's, uh, he's in his mid-20s now. He was a player that came... He was very highly rated at youth level uh, in the Chelsea uh, Youth Academy. But everybody knows how hard it is to break into the Chelsea first team. He got a move to Liverpool. Again, it was a move that was... To another big club and it was probably a little bit uh, too much too soon and not being a local boy like for example uh, Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott there was pressure on him to perform straight away and he's one of those players that's had to go down a little bit move down in stature of club to to get a regular place in the side and to really learn men's football because it's very different you know being the fastest and the strongest in youth football to then being um not being the fastest and strongest in men's football and I, you've got to say that he's having a great season um and just in recognition of how good a season he's having uh we've had some uh, bigger clubs like Newcastle and uh other clubs like Tottenham also uh, potentially linked with a transfer in the January transfer window because they're looking for a strike so, yeah, hats off to Dominic Solanke. Big respect. Now, Tim, no more happy Christmas. Who had a miserable Christmas? Well, you would think, you know, Christmas related to uh, Jesus and things like that. Well, I tell you what, Gabriel Jesus has been the Grinch of my Christmas. Uh, the Grinch is the, is the, the famous cartoon character uh, from the film uh, who destroys Christmas or who wants to destroy Christmas. And it's not just Gabriel Jesus, I must say. Arsenal in general have had an appalling Christmas holiday. Uh, we, we can't buy a win and we can't buy a goal. Um, if you look at our previous results, well, 
We've we went out of the cup against Liverpool two nil in spite of arguably arguably being the better side and creating more opportunities. We lost to Fulham two one and we were definitely outplayed by that Fulham side. They played really well on the day. Uh, West Ham, Tom. I stayed very quiet over the Christmas break because this West Ham match was another one that that frustrated me greatly. Arsenal had lots of ball, but we didn't create many chances in the second half. We had a good first half, but West Ham, I would say, deserved to win because they looked so dangerous on the counter-attack. Um, and when you've got a game plan that you know is going to work and it works, well, you can't criticise a team for playing like that. Um, OK, we've got a reasonable one-all draw away at Anfield on the 23rd of December and a good win against Brighton on the 17th. But really, Tom, it's been downhill over the Christmas holidays. Um it's been it's been it's been a difficult couple of weeks for Arsenal. But the biggest problem, Tom, is chance creation and creating uh, and scoring goals from those chances. Arsenal don't look the same uh, side that uh, that scored uh, goals from all over the pitch last season. Uh, Martinelli has is really his form's really dried up uh, in front of goal. I think he's only got two goals all season. Saka, whilst he's still contributing on the score sheet, they're kind of. They're, they're not the same kind of, uh, it's not the same amount of, of chance creation that you had last season and getting into good positions. Odegaard looks like he only passes to Bukayo Saka. Um, Havertz, although he's he, he hasn't played, his form has improved. Um, I don't think he's the solution for £65 million. You look at a player like Kudus who went to West Ham and is playing great football for £25 million less. Um, and also it's the lack of depth. Gabriel Jesus uh, scored three goals and got one assist all season. Uh, he's been injured also. And when, when you look at our substitute up front, you're looking at Eddie Nketiah, who hasn't got an away goal in over a season. Um, so it's, it's really looking tough for us. And you know, Tom, goals win games and Arsenal aren't scoring them. So can you think of a, t a team, Tom, that has, has, been, uh, f has flunked more, who is more out of form, who is more off the boil than Arsenal over the Christmas period? Well, there are a couple who have performed equally poorly. Uh, Brentford have lost their last five games. There is a bright spark for them, though, because... Ivan Tony is back from his suspension for gambling. I believe he was back in the goal straight away in the FA Cup last weekend. So things might get better for Brentford. I would say Newcastle United also had a very poor Christmas season. Uh, it they they lost three games there, all three games over Christmas. The probably the, the surprising one they lost one nil to Luton Town in Luton. Then they lost at home to Nottingham Forest. 1-3 and then Liverpool beat them 4-2 but you perhaps would expect that given the this Liverpool team that we've already talked about uh, so I think Newcastle really went off the boil particularly I did watch the game away at Luton Town uh, and I have to say Luton Town are starting to win me over uh, uh, they, they got a great result away from, at Sheffield United where they were losing I think 2-1 uh, and they won 3-2 uh, at Christmas and when they beat Newcastle at home with that game they deserved the victory they seem to be playing in a style uh, having said that the three teams who got promoted Sheffield United Burnley and Luton do look like the teams most likely to go down. They are in the relegation positions. But if one of those teams can get stay up, I, I would fancy that it would be Luton. However, 
we have to consider that Nottingham Forest have just changed manager. They've got rid of Steve Cook. Uh, uh, is it Steve Cook? Or Steve some... Cooper. Steve Cooper. Thank you, Steve Cooper. And they've brought in Espirito Santo, uh, the Portuguese manager with a lot of Premier League experience. And immediately they've had the new manager bounce, the new manager honeymoon period. Uh, Nottingham Forest have won their last two games at Newcastle and at home to Manchester United. Uh, so I, I can't see Luton, Burnley or Sheffield United escaping trouble. But I have to say there were glimpses of hope from Luton and now that uh, Nottingham Forest are looking better as well. Yeah, I must say it was a controversial decision for uh, the Forest uh, team to change manager because they were sitting outside the uh, relegation zone. And um, I think uh, Steve Cooper had done such a good job with Nottingham Forest that there was no fan pressure to change the manager. And and when the fans aren't calling for a change and you make a change and you get rid of somebody who's a local a local legend, um, it puts a lot of pressure on, on the ownership or the sporting director to make the right decision. And um, Nuno Espirito Santo, uh, although he was a total failure at Tottenham, not the first manager to be a failure there, uh, he did do some good work at Wolverhampton Wanderers, and he's hit the ground running at New uh, at Nottingham Forest, as you mentioned. Um, to hit the ground running means to have a great start. Um, going back to what you said about Newcastle, they are looking off form. They're looking very leggy. To be leggy means uh, to be tired, um, and. I think that comes from their style of football. They play a very intense, high-pressure style of football. Um, but it's also, I think, more defensive than it needs to be. And when Eddie Howe came in um, and they were in the relegation zone and he had to play a very pragmatic style of football to, to move them up the league, I think that was acceptable. But now they've got some star names in that side. They've got Bruno Gimaraes. They've got Isaac. Uh, Joe Linton's turned into a, a great player. Uh, Callum Wilson bangs in the goals. Uh, Almiron looks like a flashy winger and to be flashy means to be stylish um, and so I think there should be an expectation for them to be playing some better football and they're not they're still playing that kind of defensive almost Jose Mourinho style football and I think it's a real contrast because Eddie Howe at Bournemouth um, was criticised for almost playing too offensively, too much of a possession-based game with very limited players. And then when he left Bournemouth with his time out of the game, he went and studied Diego Simeone at Atletico Madrid and he's coming to Newcastle. And I think he's leaning a little bit too far towards Simeone ball as opposed to Bournemouth ball, uh, which he was used to playing. And you would think that somewhere in the middle there must be a balance that Newcastle will have to find. Um, they've got a tough run of fixtures. Uh, I think they've got City uh, coming up. Um, and they've just they've just had Liverpool. And of course, they, they got a win in the FA Cup against Sunderland, their first win against their local rivals since 2011. In a game they should be expected to win against a lower division side. But I wonder how long the patience will last up in up on Tyneside, uh, up in the northeast. Um, that is a very good question, Tim, because one or two months ago, they had the excuse of having many, many players injured. But uh, when you look at their squad now, perhaps with the exception of Nick Pope, and even in that case, Dubravka has come in and actually done an excellent job uh, in the Newcastle United goal. They don't have that excuse of the injuries right now. So uh, it puts more pressure on Eddie Howe. Uh, he will be feeling it right now, feeling the pressure. 
Yeah, I really think so. I really think so. Um, yeah, time to turn it around. And also they had the excuse that they were competing in the Champions League. But now they're out of the Champions League. They're out of the FA Cup. Um, so they can really focus on the Premier League and they can't complain about fixture congestion and the like. Well, Tim, before we move away from the Premier League, is there any other players or clubs that you'd like to mention? Any Anyone who caught your eye? Well, I was going to mention the form that Dominic Solanke has, has found, uh, but uh, we kind of mentioned him previously. Um, so I think we can we can move away from the Premier League. Um, do you want to talk about uh, transfers or do you, what do you want to talk about? Well, we've touched a little bit on uh, the, the League Cups and FA Cup games. Uh, I, I have to say I, I'm happy to jump over the FA Cup. We did have the third round last week. It's always interesting to look out for giant killings when a team from the lower divisions takes the scalp meaning they beat a, a very big club to go through to the next round but I didn't see any Tim I didn't see any cup upsets where the underdog beat the more dominant favorite uh, so I, I didn't really see too much I did see a, a, a Bristol City team come to West Ham and totally uh, bully our players by bully I mean were, were much more physical against us and, and that's created a very difficult away tie for us next week uh, in Bristol but apart from the FA Cup I'm happy to move I'm happy to move on and talk a little bit more about the the transfer market. Yeah, I think we should give a little mention to uh, Middlesbrough, who uh, in the League Cup, the secondary cup competition in, in England, uh, had a great home win, 1-0 against Chelsea. Uh, I know this Chelsea team is uh, does blow hot and cold, which means to be inconsistent. However, they do have some big names and they've got a top manager. And for, for, uh, for Middlesbrough to keep themselves in the two-legged tie with a 1-0 home victory uh, is, is very good. It's very good. By the top manager, you're referring, of course, to Michael Carrick, the ex-West Ham, Tottenham and Manchester United midfielder, who people are speaking very highly about his short period in front charge of Middlesbrough. So perhaps we can expect him to be entering the Premier Leagues very soon as a manager. Ha having said that, Tim, I have to say uh, Middlesbrough, Chelsea, Fulham and Liverpool of those four semi-finalists, Liverpool appear to be head and shoulders above the other three teams at the moment, even if Liverpool were to be missing their superstars like Salah, Sovozlai, I'm sure their second string, their second 11 squad team could still beat the other three teams. So for me, that's going to be Liverpool's first trophy. Anyone who likes to put a bet on, put your money on that one now. Liverpool for the League Cup. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, OK, so should we move on to talk about... Um to talk about uh, transfers then, shall we? Um, yes. I think the big news uh, is no news um, because, uh, of course, Kylian Mbappe uh, is the uh, the perennial transfer debate. Will he, won't he go to Real Madrid? Uh, his contract uh, finishes in the summer. Uh, and there's talk that uh, Real Madrid wanted to lock him into a deal by the 15th of January. They set an arbitrary uh deadline um and there was reports coming out this week that um that he has signed a, a pre-contract agreement with Real Madrid but the Mbappe camp uh, has strongly denied this uh, this report and as far as i understand tom there is an agreement that uh, Mbappe will let the president of Paris Saint-Germain know 
individually on a personal level uh, before anybody else knows what his intentions are. I think Paris Saint-Germain uh, would be loath to leave him, to lose him for free and to be loathed to do something would be to, to hate to do it or to be scared of doing it. But um, Mbappe does have an 80 million euro loyalty clause, believe it or not, for someone who's always talking about leaving, in his contract uh, upon completion of his contract next summer. And as far as I can understand, uh, can tell from my uh, research, um, Mbappe has agreed to waiver this loyalty bonus. Uh, to waiver a payment means to to accept that you or to to say you won't uh, take it. Um, and that would uh, make it possible for, for him to go to, to Real Madrid on a free and demand a huge signing on fee at Real Madrid, but at the same time be able to say to Paris Saint-Germain and their fans, and more, more importantly to the people who do the accounts, look, I, I haven't cost you hundreds of millions of pounds in a lost transfer free because uh, in a lost transfer fee because... Um, Here's, here's 80 million pounds that I'm not claiming. Um, but Tom, uh, it'll be interesting when he does go to, to uh, Real Madrid because you could argue, apart from Jude Bellingham, that the star player at Real Madrid plays in Mbappe's position. But that's uh, Vinicius, of course, Vinicius Junior. But that's a debate for another day. Tom, uh, another one that has happened, it's been confirmed. I think he's flying out to Germany today. Jadon Sancho on loan, back to Borussia Dortmund. Um, I think uh, he's the, 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 the loan fee and the, the covering of the salary will total about £4 million, which works out at Manchester United still paying uh, £100,000 a week for him to play for another club. Tom, do you think Jadon Sancho can find his feet again at Dortmund? Uh, as far as I understand, there's no uh, obligation to buy or option to buy in the loan deal because Manchester United feel that his value will increase um, at Dortmund because his value is, of course, at rock bottom right now after two seasons of poor form and disciplinary problems. Do you think he can find his best form again at Dortmund or do you think Sancho is uh, one of those young players who who, is, who will flatter to deceive? I think Sancho, despite having a very good first campaign at Dortmund, I think he could have problems this time coming back. Uh, and they would be the same problems that he experienced at Manchester United, namely that he is coming in to play in a position where there is a lot of competition in the squad. Uh, when Sanchez came to Manchester United two seasons ago, uh, he came as a right winger or ideally a left winger. He was actually most effective for Dortmund coming in off the, the left wing. Uh, he arrived at Manchester United just as Rashford's form was peaking and he had cemented himself in that position. Uh, there was also a lot of other competition from other players like Cristiano Ronaldo, who'd come back at that time. Now, obviously, he does need to leave Manchester United. No question about that. It's good that he's going back to a club where he's familiar with. He knows the staff. He knows the coaches. Uh, it gives him a good opportunity to re-establish himself as a first-team football player uh, in a place where he's comfortable. But we have spoken about this Borussia Dortmund team. I have even talked about them as one of my top five 
clubs who can win the Champions League this year because I think they have so much great, again, strength in depth from their squad. When you watch Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League and they need to make changes in the second half, they have a rich array of talent. Uh, an array is a range, a lineup on the bench of players to choose from. Sancho, Sancho is coming in and he's going to have to compete with so many of these players. Uh, I, I don't have the, the list in front of me, but off my head, I can think of the the Danish winger Myla, uh, Donel Myla, I think he's called. They've got Sebastian Aller, who's not even getting a start. Royce, who's been a namestay in that, that Dortmund team, who we would have to displace as an attacking player. But there's so much quality. Adebayo, who came across from uh, the Red Bull team a couple of years ago. So I can't see Sancho winning his place back in that team. He might find that he's coming in and off, getting few minutes, and he might be better off moving on to another club in the summer. Well, we'll see. Another to another transfer drama, Tom, and you know I like the drama, is, uh, of course, the, the, the stories coming out this week of Victor Ossiman. Um, uh, he's the star striker at Napoli, of course. Uh, great, great season last season, and he's continued his form in spite of Napoli's uh, slump in form, which means a drop in, in form. Um, his, the other star player, of course, in that side is uh, the unpronounceable Georgian. I'm going to have a go. Kvaraschelia, uh, what they like to call him Kvaradonna. Um, his agent came out and said that um, Ossiman uh, would be uh, playing in Saudi Arabia uh, in the uh, ne from next season. And uh, Ossiman came out on on Instagram, on his personal Instagram, and said, uh, referring to the agent, "Dear Mamuka Juleli, you are a piece of filth." and a disgrace. I'm embarrassed at your sense of reasoning. You dumb F blah, blah, uh, K. Uh, keep my name out of your mouth. Now, this is brilliant drama, Tom. This is the same player who uh, the Napoli media department released a potentially um, insulting video about earlier in this season. Uh, uh, nobody really understood why. It's been a very strange season for Napoli. Uh, and I think he is the biggest and highest quality striker uh, available uh, or who will be available in the close future on the world market. You could say Haaland's a better player, Mbappe's a better player, but this is the big name signing who will go in the summer. Uh, he's responded, of course, he's uh, off with Nigeria in the Africa Cup of Nations. I don't think he'll be moving in, in January, but I do think he'll be going somewhere in the summer. Tom, Let's talk about the domino effect because Tottenham have made a new signing. Uh, they've signed uh, Radu Dragusin from Genoa. Um, and it looks like uh, Jed Spence, their, their young right back who was at Nottingham Forest, has gone the other way on loan. Spurs have reached an agreement to pay um, £25 million. However, there are another £5 million in what they would call easy add-ons. So it's basically a £30, £30 million deal plus a loan for, for Jed Spence. Um, and this was an interesting transfer because it seemed he had agreed personal terms with Tottenham over the Christmas period. Period. And then at the last minute, Bayern Munich swooped in uh, to swoop as to fly low like a like a bird of prey would do before they were catching their animal um, and matched Tottenham's bid. And you would think on paper, you know, Bayern Munich, 
top club, historical club, Champions League contender, Tottenham, mediocre club, never win anything. But he'd given his word to Tottenham Hotspur and he has honoured his word and he's decided to go to Tottenham. So that's a big, tri uh, it's a big transfer for Tottenham Hotspur. To be able to knock Bayern Munich out of the race is, of course, uh, a real feather in their cap. And why I say the domino effect, Tom, is because uh, it looks like Eric Dyer. The, the unwanted and unloved by Ange Postacoglu's uh, Tottenham centre-back is going to go to Bayern Munich for a very low fee, three or four million. At the moment, he's been either sitting on the bench or not even making the bench. I'm personally very surprised at this transfer because I don't think he has the quality to really contribute at the top level. Um, what about you, Tom? Have you seen any other transfers that have uh, caught your, caught your well. eye? First, a comment on Eric Dyer. I agree that he doesn't seem fast enough these days to be able to compete, uh, certainly not to get into that Bayern Munich back four. I, I can only ever see him really being a, a squad player who will be there to give what morale he can give, not being able to speak any German. So that one is very surprising. I have seen... Timo Werner is coming back to the Premier League. He is coming to Tottenham on loan. I think a potential, uh, yes, it's, it's a loan transfer for him. Uh, and what do you think of that, Tim? Because I think that he could be a good signing for them. He seemed a bit hit and miss at Chelsea, but actually his Champions League form, the season they won the Champions League, was outstanding for Chelsea. So I would say he... I would say he was more missed than hit, Tom. Um, he was off, he, he lives offside, and then when he does have chances, he's very wasteful in front of goal. I think he does have a lot of attributes that could be successful in the Premier League. Uh, he's very fast. He does know how to live on the on the on the shoulder of the last defender and play the offside trap. But I think he really needs to refine his game. I think the fact that uh, he's being loaned from Germany shows that something hasn't worked even in Germany. And let's remember when he went to Chelsea, that was on the back of a great goal scoring record in Germany. Uh, if he's being loaned back to Tottenham, it makes me think he hasn't been on top form. Not that I watch as much Bundesliga as I would like to. I think there's been a real coup for, for Brighton and Hove Albion. A coup, of course, is a, a successful, unexpected signing. Uh, Valentino Barco from Boca Juniors, um, He's got a £7.8 million release clause. He's a left-sided uh, defender. They uh, call him the new Marcelo. They compare him yes. to the Real Madrid fullback Marcelo. Yeah, uh, a lot of European clubs were interested for him, but I think uh, they've matched his release clause and more importantly, they've offered Boca Junior a high percentage of a sell-on fee. And I think uh, Boca Junior sees Brighton as a perfect launch pad uh, for a player to come over, demonstrate their skills and then do maybe what a Caicedo or, or a Cucarella or, you know, the, the the multitude of Brighton players who have gone on and, 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 and for, for big transfer fees. Tom, um, anyone else who's caught your name? Yes, just one more. Uh, following on from Jaden Sancho's move from Manchester United, we have another player who came to Manchester United, had a disaster, dropped in his valuation. This is a previous Ballon d'Or contender. Donny van der Beek has been loaned out to Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, he looks like he's still got the hunger. I think he can re rediscover his form and do something in Germany. So good luck to Donny van der Beek. Uh, it's a shame that so many of these players come into Manchester United and actually get worse or get devalued in their time there. 
Yeah. Uh, just before we finish, you have to say the big news for in Manchester is, of course, that uh, Manchester United have got a new uh, minority owner, Jim Radcliffe, owner of an oil company. Um, and he's come in and he's taken over football operations. Although he's only got 25% of the club, the Glazers have said he can, he can run the football side of the club. Tom, we are desperately running out of time. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. It feels like it's been a bit of a sprint, uh, but that means there's been lots of interesting stuff to talk about. So, Tom, uh, see you next time. Thanks to all of our listeners. Get involved in the conversation online. Thank you, Tim. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye -bye. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.